Table Talk meets tonight at 6 p.m. at the Education Building. We will be discussing today's sermon and how it relates to our lives in this upside-down world. Everyone is welcome to join us. This Valentine's Day, Cameron UMC is offering free childcare from 5 to 10 p.m. We will have pizza, games, and a movie for your children while you go on a hot date. grab a registration form at the information desk in the entryway. You can return it to the church office or give it to Don Gebauer or Kobe Pulse. Please turn it in by February 12th. Thank you. Church Invitations, Apples to Apples Edition, Part 2. When you come to our church, you should bring a friend with you. And if they're cranky, you may have to use handcuffs. Our church isn't ordinary. We're even cooler than duct tape. Our church is so accepting, even unusual pigeons are welcome here. <laughs> Our church is so extreme, it's better than going to grandma's. Great, good. There we go. So uh, nice to see you all this morning. Um, so yeah, just to kind of touch on a couple things. February fourteenth is Valentine's Day. It's on a Friday this year, um, and we're gonna we want to offer free childcare to the folks of our church so that you can go have a hot date, sleeping on a couch or shopping at Walmart, whatever your hot date may look like. Uh, but we want to do that as a as a thank you to our parents uh, that that bring their kids to our Wednesday night services, that bring them on Sunday morning. We want to do all we can to be a blessing back to you. So we're going to offer a free childcare Valentine's night. Um, and there's some registration forms out front. If you would pick one of those up, just so we kind of know how many kids to count on, how much pizza we need to buy for the, for the kids and whatnot, and then just turn those back in to, to one of us. Um, also, a reminder of next Sunday, February 2nd, uh, Dan is going to uh, meet with us just after church for a little bit to discuss, discuss some of the things going on denominationally and then touch on a couple other subjects. So right after church, if you can stay for just a few minutes, uh, Dan's going to have kind of a town hall meeting with us and uh, talk about just a few things. But then, we, you know, we need to get out, right, next Sunday for fairly quickly. Kind of got a big game next Sunday, right? So, uh, so wear your red next week, red Sunday next week. Everybody, uh, choir, we're supposed to all wear red, right? We're supposed to all wear red, chief stuff next Sunday for uh, the big game next, next weekend. So, uh, my name is Kobe Pulse. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, Dan Brown, our lead pastor, is out of town this morning. Uh, he's gone to a, uh, to a retreat, and so, uh, so I'm filling in for him again. He just doesn't learn. He keeps you know, stepping out of town and saying, why don't you just do it this week? So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll just push it a little further this week and see how, what we can get away with this week. Um, anyway, uh, but we're here. We're all gathered here. Finally, the roads are scraped off enough that we can make it to church. The parking lot is scraped off. We can all get here in this warm place to come and worship God and be with God. And uh, as we come, we're reminded the whole purpose of us being here is out of our reverence, out of our devotion to our holy creator, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in His name we gather together. So as we all uh, gather together, we're reminded that Christ is here with us. And so the light of Christ comes to remind us Jesus is here as we gather in His name. Let us all stand as the light of Christ comes to join us. Let's all join our voices together in who you say I am. friends. 
children, you want to come up for the children's moment? Everyone else, say hi to somebody this morning. Hi, somebody. Hi, somebody. Yeah, we're all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Good. So I've got some questions for you guys. Got lots of kids today. You guys are going to know all the answers to this. So does anybody know what the word anonymous means? That's kind of a big word. Anonymous. Do you want me to give you kind of a hint? <laughs> James, do you know what it means? So what about... When you say, I'm going to um, donate some money, but I want to do it anonymously. Do you know what that means? No? It means when you do something, it's kind of in secret. You don't want anybody to really know that it was you that did it. And sometimes we do that because it's not all about us, right? We're not doing it to get credit for it or for everybody to think, oh, you're a great person because you did a good thing. We do it because we know that that's what God wants us to do, and we think it's the right thing to do. And so we don't make a big deal out of it. We don't want people to say, oh, good job, good job, and wow, you're great. You know, we just, we do it because we know it's what's right to do, right? So what does it mean, you might know this word, what does it mean to be a show-off? Oh, yeah. You're like getting everybody's attention and doing something kind, but... Everybody's looking at you and... Right, getting attention. Is that what you were going to say? You get credit for all of it. Right, you get credit for it. So when you're a show-off, you're, you're kind of maybe you brag or you, you want the attention. You want somebody to say, oh, good job, good job. You know, you're like, yeah, I know, I know. I'm pretty cool, right? <laughs> so it's totally different. Well, I've got, let me get my, I've got my one of my Bibles on my phone here real quick. I want to read something to you from Matthew today. <clears throat> so this is in Matthew 6, and sometimes when I do the children's message, I like to read from the easy-to-read version of the Bible, so it kind of has it in words that we can understand a little better. And so this one says in Matthew 6, be careful. When you do something good, don't do it in front of others so that they will see you. If you do that, you'll have no reward in heaven from your Father. When you give to those who are poor, don't announce that you are giving. Don't be like the hypocrites. When they are in the synagogues, the churches, and on the streets, they blow trumpets before they give so that people will see them. They want everyone to praise them. The truth is, that's all the reward they will get. So when you give to the poor, don't let anyone know what you're doing. Your giving should be done in private. Your father can see what is done in private, and he will reward you, right? So I like this part that says, when they are in the synagogues and on the streets, they blow trumpets 
Well, I don't have a trumpet with me today. I should have probably asked Miss Clark. But what do I have instead? A cowbell. Yeah. Does anybody know how this works? You bang it. Does somebody want to come up and help me? Oh, goodness. Too many hands. All right. Let's get this guy here. Hold on to that. Hold that. It's kind of heavy. You got it? All right. So I think I'm going to do something good today. Okay. So go ahead and bang that real. Yeah. All right. Good job. Okay. Attention, attention, everybody. I'm going to give a lot of money to the church today. Go ahead and do it again. Did everybody hear that? I'm going to give a lot of money to the church today. Me, 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 me. Right? I think, you know what? I think we should just change the name of the church from Cameron United Methodist Church to Dana Pulse Church. Right? Does that sound like a good idea? What do you think? Would you come to church if it was called the Dana Pulse Church? Uh, that sounds kind of selfish, right? Maybe ring my bell a little louder. Okay, I think it's really a good idea because I am going to give a lot of money to the church today. No? You still going to vote for that? No. Okay. Thank you very much. You did a great job. So, has anybody ever heard of the TV show called Little House on the Prairie? Some of you have. Awesome. I thought maybe only your parents and grandparents would know those answers. So that's a show I used to watch when I was your age, and I loved that show. And there was this, the really nice family on there. There were lots of nice families. But there was this one family where there was this mom. If some of you have seen it, her name was Mrs. Olson. Oh. Man, sometimes she, I think she really wants to do the right thing sometimes, but she wants to ring the bell real loud, right? She always wants to be sure she gets credit for it. And so on this one part that I, it's one of my favorite shows, she says that the church wants to get a new bell, but they're kind of a poor church. They don't have a lot of money. And so she stands up and they're saying, so let's take up a collection, Okay, what, like when you take up a collection, you get a little bit of money from everybody, right? Let's take up a collection, yeah. Let's take up a collection, and everybody just do what you can, because we really think it'd be nice to get this nice big bell for the church, so that we can ring the bell when it's time to go to church. And they were poor, and that church, that little bitty church, that was their school, too. So on Monday through Friday, that was their school. And then on Sunday, it was their church. And they said, wouldn't it be nice to have a big bell to ring when it's time for the kids to come in from recess? We could use it for church. We could use it for school. Wouldn't that be great? Everybody's like, yeah, that's a great idea, but we're kind of poor. And so she stands up and she says, I will buy the bell myself. And everybody says, oh, that's so nice. What a good idea. You're giving the church something that we really think we need. And she says, but on one condition, that you put a plaque on it that has our name on it so that everybody knows that we gave the church this bell. And the people say, well, why would we do that? This is God's church. This is not Mrs. Olson's church right? But she wanted to get credit for what she was going to do. And so everybody else decided, you know what? I don't think it's such a good idea after all. 
If you're not gonna give with a good heart and not care about getting credit for it, then maybe we shouldn't have it in the church, right? So can somebody come up here and hold the microphone for me? Oh yeah, go ahead. We're almost done. Okay, because hold this up so I can talk in it. Can you hold that up for me? Okay, because I'm gonna do a few more things I think that happens around here, right? So what's something nice you guys have done? Like in the last week. Have you guys done anything nice? What'd you do? Clean my house. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Just want to make sure you know we've been cleaning house over here. Right? What is something else nice you've done? Neighbor's driveway. Did you go like this? Did you like, hey, everybody, I shoveled the driveway today. Come on, somebody, give me some money. Give me some credit. Put my name in the paper or something. Right? No? Okay. So... There's a lot of people that do jobs in the church too, right? But we don't say, I mean, well, maybe. I don't know if Miss Clark's ever done this. Morgan, maybe. Does she ever be like, hey, everybody pay attention. I made it to choir today. Yeah, I'm running the show here, right? No, all of these people that come in the choir and sing for us, that play piano for us, that come help with the nursery, that greet, that do all of these jobs in the church, that get the candles ready, that all of this stuff, get the chairs all lined up. We all do that because it's the right thing to do, right? And we go out in the world and do nice things because it's the right thing to do. Not because we want credit for it. Good job, you guys. Will you say a prayer with me? All right. You guys repeat after me. Everybody ready? Hands together, eyes closed, head down. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to teach us how to live for you. Help us to do nice things for others not to show off, but so they can grow closer to you, and we can too. We love you and pray to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job. Well, that about sums it up. Thank you for coming today. <laughs> or maybe we should sing a song here. Let's all stand and let's uh, join our voices together and have thine own way, Lord.
please be seated. If you would, please uh, join me in prayer as we go to our Heavenly Father with our concerns, with our burdens, with our cares, our worries. As we gather this morning, we all come in with things we're facing in our lives. As we gather here, we've all got different situations we're going through. Sometimes it's, you know, things that distract and, and conflict. Sometimes it's great things too, right? We don't all come in depressed and wore out. Sometimes we come in excited and energized as well. That we bring all of that here together with us as we gather uh, in this house as God's people. Let's take all of that to the Lord in prayer. If you would, please join me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for the hope that we have the excitement that we have, all the wonderful things that we have in this life, the great things we get to experience. We thank you for excitement in little things like football wins. They seem like big things because we've waited so long for them. But in the scheme of things, it really is such a small thing. But it's something that gets us excited. It's something that unites us as a people. pray that over the, the everyday conflict, the day after day trial, the struggles, somehow that we could be united that same way for you. God, we thank you for the hope of knowing that no matter what we face, that you are there, that no matter what's going on, your hand is reaching out to us, that no matter what's going on, your spirit is tugging us, saying, come on, I know the way, I'll show you. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of knowing you. The joy of knowing we don't have to have all the answers because you do. The joy of just knowing that there is someone out there that always loves us no matter what. God, we thank you for the peace that comes when we reach out to you, that comes when we seek you with our whole heart, that comes in the time of of the chaos and the noise. There's still that still small voice saying, be still, I've got this. God, we bring all of this. We come as your people, devoted to you, seeking you and you alone through our trials and through our struggles, praising you and you alone for all that is good in our lives. And I hope that we come with the same excitement that we bring to football games, the same excitement we bring to to other events and concerts and, and all the fun things we get to be a part of in this world. I pray we bring that same, no, I pray we bring more excitement to you these really are such small things in the, in the whole scheme of what you're about. So through it all, remind us who we are. I am your child because you say that I am. Remind us who we are, that we are yours, and then guide us as yours to go out and to live it fully within our lives that others 
who are lost in the excitement, others who are broken in the trial, but others. They come to know the same joy and peace and excitement that we know through our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we come to you now as your people in the way that Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you. So Dan has been uh, taking us through this uh, sermon series called uh, Flourishing in an Upside-Down World. Um, we're going through the book of Matthew, um, chapters 5 through 7, what we commonly call the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been going through this and uh, really seeing how Jesus is challenging his listeners to understand what life with God should look like and how completely different it really was to the way they were living their lives for God. He really challenged them to think of it differently and uh, was forcing them to, uh, to, to really see what the kingdom of God truly looks like, not this idea of what we think it's supposed to look like. And so he goes through, uh, in the, at the beginning of chapter 5, goes through the, the blessed R's, right? The, the, the blessed are the poor in spirit, the blessed are. He goes through all these verses and and sayings. And then in the next section is the section of the you have heard, but I said section. You have heard this, but I say that. He kind of changes things up a little bit there. Well, today we kind of reach this new part, um, this other part that Jesus kind of shifts it into this idea of what uh, maybe what our devotion and reverence to God is really supposed to look like. That maybe in these, these things that, that he calls acts of righteousness, maybe we're not quite bringing it with the heart that we're supposed to in, in doing these things. So this week we are in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they know or they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of our holy God. Amen. So Jesus is talking to this big crowd of people and, uh, and he talks about these, these acts of righteousness, these things that we do as, as these, you know, as righteous acts, I guess. Um, and these are things that the, these Jewish people that gathered around, they would have uh, easily identified with, with these things and very quickly identified with them because there was these three pillars of religious life for the Jews. And they were almsgiving, which is giving to the poor, prayer and fasting. Those were the three pillars of their religious life, of what it meant to live life with God, was giving to the poor and praying and fasting. That was the pillar of their, their whole relationship with God. And so that's still kind of some pillars of our faith as well, right? We're supposed to give to the needy. We're supposed to pray, fast. We're supposed to do these things. And it seems odd to us to think, well, these things we do for God, that isn't it important to just do them? I mean, can you have a wrong motive in doing what's right? Well, yeah, Jesus says. Actually, you can have a a wrong motive in doing the right thing even. And he points out uh, one of the wrong motives that we can have, Jesus talks about, is this idea of as, as you're doing it, maybe you're not doing it as your devotion to God. Maybe we're not doing it quite as our, as, you know, this seeing God and being reverent towards God and just, you know, doing this as something to be pleasing to our Father. Maybe we're doing it for the admiration and attention of others. You know, at the time, um, the Pharisees were very loved by the people. When we read about Pharisees now, we get this, this idea. We don't like the Pharisees typically because they're the ones that came against Jesus. We know how they treated Jesus, and they were always plotting against him. And so when we read about Pharisees, a lot of times we have these hard feelings against these people and think, oh, they were horrible people. Well, actually, at that time, they were loved by the people. Because that was their example of what a righteous life looks like, right? If we want to know what righteous living looks like, we open the Bible and we see, well, how did Jesus live? That's my example. Well, they didn't have Jesus yet, right? Jesus is just now coming onto the scene. So they didn't have Jesus to look at. They had the Pharisees to be their example of what it was like to live a righteous life. So here's the Pharisees. They had really a lot of pressure. They had to memorize all of Scripture. They had to show the people, this is how you give. This is how you pray. This is, they had to be that example. There was really a lot of pressure on the Pharisees to live, not just be righteous, but also to look righteous so that others knew what righteousness looked like. Well, so then it kind of turns maybe into part of a show for them. It's somewhere along the way, they lose the focus of what's the real point we're doing this, and then maybe they start to do it just kind of as a show for others. You know, one thing that's, when you do something good and someone else finds out about it or knows about it, a lot of times they'll come up and tell you, you did a good job. Or if they know several things, that they see things you do and they just know that what kind of a person you are, they'll come up and say, you know, you are a good person. I just want to let you know, I really admire you, and I think you're a great person. Or I saw what you did and that was so nice, right? And when we receive those words of affirmation, it feels good, doesn't it? In some way, doesn't it just feel nice to be acknowledged and recognized that, that someone saw and, and that I did this thing and they told me I did something good. That's nice to hear. But that nice to hear can almost become addicting, 
right? I like hearing that. I like hearing how well I'm doing. I like hearing, boy, you really made a difference in my life. Well, now I want to go hear someone else tell me that as well. I want to hear how good I'm doing from others, and then all of a sudden I don't even realize it, but now I'm just doing it to get the praise of others. I'm doing it to get their words of affirmation. I think this is maybe kind of what happened with the Pharisees, right? They're supposed to be this example of righteous living, and as they're going out doing it, trying to show people how to pray, now all of a sudden, well, I've got to really show them how to pray. And so they go into this big, long prayers that go on and on, and Jesus even says they're babbling and using many words, right? You ever been to a a church service where the the pastor opens up with prayer, and he's like, oh, great and mighty, all everlasting God, from everlasting to everlasting, you are the great and wonderful, on and on and on. And that's just the intro, and you're like, oh, settle in, kids. We're going to be here a while because, my goodness, right? It just goes on and on. And I think that's maybe what Jesus is saying. No, it don't have to be this big, huge, elegant prayer. All it's got to be is our Father in heaven, hallowed. He gives us this example of what a simple prayer really needs to be. But somewhere along the way, it kind of became as this show for the Pharisees. And somewhere along the way, sometimes it becomes kind of a show for us. Sometimes we like getting those good job, those little pats on the back. We like getting that because we like to know we're making a difference. We like to know we're doing good things, right? But Jesus is just kind of warning us, make sure that's not the reason you're doing it. Make sure you're not doing it just to be seen by others. And so he says, go do things in secret. Go do things anonymously, like the kids learned earlier. Do some things, not for the, the pat on the back from others, but the pat on the back from God, for that reward, right? In some sense, we're seeking a reward. Who are we seeking it from? Is kind of almost what Jesus is saying. And so he gives us this warning about our motives need to be right. Doing the right thing is good always, but if we're doing this as an act of righteousness, if this is somehow connected with our devotion towards God, then the heart in which we do it matters. And so he talks about this motive. There's actually some other motives that we have where we do the wrong thing as well. Um, you know, sometimes as people, we, uh, we start to do things um, and then we, we do them and we just kind of get in a routine and before long we don't even realize it and we start just kind of going through the motions Sometimes our acts of righteousness almost become like a checklist, right? We sit down to the dinner table and we just sit down to start to eat. Wait a minute, we didn't pray. We've got to check that off before we can pick up those forks, right? We've got to mark that off our list. It's in the morning, I'm getting ready for work, and like, oh, wait a minute, I haven't prayed. Dear God, be with me today, amen, and then we head out the door. We're just kind of going through some motions. All of a sudden, prayer becomes just a, a checklist item. Maybe coming to church sometimes might just be a checklist item. Things that we do in growing closer to God, sometimes along the way we kind of get in a routine. We get in, for whatever reason, we just kind of lose touch with what's the real purpose in doing this. We kind of lose focus. This is my act of devotion to God. This is recognizing there is a greater kingdom and wanting to see this kingdom come here. We kind of lose focus of what is the, the bigger purpose well, I'm just supposed to do something good, so I go do good, and I can check that off my list today. We just kind of start to go through motions, and uh, we kind of lose sight of what it really is. And I guess maybe as an example of that, have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer here at church? We're here, we're all gathered together, and sometimes there's a lot of things going on around you. And so as we're praying the Lord's Prayer, and then all of a sudden we say amen, and then you realize, I don't even remember praying. Did, did I say the words right? Did I even get it right? You ever had that moment happen? It's pretty easy because we say it every week and you get it memorized. 
I'm going to give you kind of an example here. Let me show you this real quick. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, it's a little blurry. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And there it's on Facebook for everyone to see. Did I get the words right? So I'm good, right? Because I said the words right. Jesus gave us these magic words, and as long as we speak these magic words, then we're okay. That's what he's saying, right? Just Here's how you pray. Just say these little magic words, and everything's cool, right? That's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is telling us our heart matters, right? The whole time I'm saying that prayer, I'm taking a selfie with the choir and putting it on Facebook, right? It's on there. You can check it later. Don't look it up right now. It's on there. It's a little blurry, just to warn you. Look it up later, and then you can, go, you can go tag yourselves in it later. So you look it up. But, you know, my, my heart was not anywhere close to the right place during that prayer, right? But sometimes that's what we bring, that our heart is nowhere close to where it needs to be. And we just go through these motions, and we think, well, but I did it so I can check it off. But Jesus says, no, your motive matters. Yes, you said the prayer. Yes, you came to church. Yeah, you gave to this or that, but, but your motive wasn't quite right for it to be considered a, an act of righteousness. When, when we come with no focus, no attention, when we come um, seeking ourselves and, and to get that, when we come with this motive for anything other than our devotion to God, for God's glory, we devalue actually the act of what we're doing. It still makes it a good thing we're doing for others. It still makes it you know, a good thing we're doing, but what happens is it kind of devalues this act of righteousness. It makes it not so much an act of our devotion to God, it's just something we're kind of doing because, well, we're Christians and we're supposed to do it, right? We go through these motions, but then what happens is as we go through the motions and we're not doing it with the heart, maybe we need to be doing it with, and we just kind of becomes a, a checkoff list item, sooner or later, we start to get a little hesitant to do them. Sooner or later, we might start complaining even about things that we're supposed to do, right? So maybe we start complaining, well, I've got to be a greeter this morning. Well, I have to bring food for this dinner. Well, I have to go and help at the food pantry. Well, I have to. Well, I have to. I have to. And all of a sudden, we start complaining that we have to go and do these things because we're Christians and we have to do them instead of realizing, no, I get to be a part of God's kingdom coming here on earth. We lose the whole heart of what Jesus is trying to teach us to have. We go through motions, then we kind of start to complain, and we're not doing anything with a cheerful, thankful heart. It's, it's all just because I have to, I have to, I have to. And so we get to this place of I have to serve, I have to do this, and, and, and we almost become bitter about it even, you know? I have to go and do this, and, and I have to. Well, there's this person standing there. They're holding the cardboard sign. I got to give them something because Jesus says I'm supposed to. I have to, right? Well, that kind of leads to the next wrong motive. And this one is going to maybe sound wrong for me to say, but it's really a wrong motive. 
we start doing things because Jesus said so. That doesn't sound wrong, does it? To do things because Jesus said so. But it kind of misses the whole point of why he said so. Let me give you an example. You're a parent. You've got a couple kids, and they're playing. One of them gets hurt, right? Maybe they're playing rough, whatever. One of them gets hurt physically. One of their feelings get hurt, and they start crying, and you see it all happen. So you tell the other one, you need to apologize, and you, need, you better mean it, right? You go apologize, and you better mean it. That's what you tell them. So what do they do? They cross their arms. And they get this really mean look on their face. And they clench up their teeth and they go over and they say, oh, I'm sorry. Right? Did they mean it? Heck no, they didn't mean it. What they're thinking is, if mom wasn't looking, I'd slap you again. That's what they're thinking. <laughs> right? But they did what you told them to do because that's what you told them to do. But was that the heart you wanted? Is that really the point of why you're telling them this? I just want you to say those magic words, I'm sorry, and then I want you to say the magic words, I forgive you? No. What you want is for them to recognize, I've done something wrong, and I need to apologize for that. And then on the other end, they've apologized, so you need to say, I forgive you, and let it go, and let, let's be washed of this. Let it all be behind us. Let's not drag this along with us, carry this burden of, I'm mad at you, and I'm mad at you with us. No. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Now it's gone forever, Right? That's what we're hoping to teach the kids. Well, Jesus is hoping to teach us that it's not just do this because I say so. Don't just give to the needy because I say so. Give because you love your neighbor and you see someone in need. Give because there's this person standing there. It's not a cardboard sign asking for a few dollars. It's a person. It's a soul in need asking for help. And so we look past this cardboard sign that says a few bucks will help, and we see this person, this child of God, just like we are, and they're imperfect, just like we are, and in some way we're needy, just like they am. It's just their need is different than our need. Jesus is saying, look past that and see this person, and out of your love, compassion, and abundance, give to this person who is poor in spirit, poor in poverty, whatever it is. Doing good just because Jesus says so, I mean, it's better than doing not good, but it completely misses the point of why Jesus teaches us to do this, right? It's not about just so that more good happens in the world. It's so the kingdom of God comes into this world. And so through this act of giving, hopefully there's something so much bigger than a few bucks that happens in this exchange. Hopefully it is the love and compassion of God being given from one person to another, right? Jesus says when you pray, it should be done with complete focus to God, not in any kind of checklist sort of way, not in any, well, I haven't prayed for a while, maybe I should pray, not in any going through the motions, well, i got to pray because Jesus said so. No, pray because you want that connection with your heavenly Father who already knows what you need, but he wants to hear your voice anyway, right? We do this as Christians because Jesus said so. You ever heard someone, I know you would never say this, you would never do this. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, 
I don't want to forgive them, but Jesus says I have to, so I forgive them. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, no, you're willing to overlook what happened and just move on. I'll grant you that. But what you're saying is, deep down inside, I've not forgotten it. I haven't wiped it clean and let it go forever and ever. I'm still holding on to a piece of that. That's not forgiving in the way Jesus teaches us to forgive. Because the way Jesus teaches us to forgive is that through, through him, it is all wiped away like it never even happened. Whatever we've done, right? It's gone forever. And so when we forgive others like Jesus, we're supposed to say, I forgive you, and now it's gone like it never even happened. It's wiped clean, and we start over with them. That's the way Jesus is teaching us. Motive matters. And so even doing things because Jesus says, I have to, that's still kind of a wrong motive in which to do things. And unfortunately, it kind of takes away from the act of, of doing it. But like I said, doing the right thing with the wrong motive is still better than not doing the right thing at all. Because sometimes we have the, mo the motive to not give. Sometimes we have the motive to not pray or not fast, right? Sometimes we pull up and we see a cardboard sign and we think, eh, I'm not going to give. I don't feel like I... Because one time, you know, my best friend's neighbor's former dog owner told me that these people actually live better than we do. Well... I'm going to call hogwash on that, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they do. I, don't, I doubt it. I really do. And maybe there's one out of, what, a hundred, a thousand, a million that maybe, I don't know, maybe they, they actually make a lot of money doing it. I don't know. But I know that most of the people standing there holding the sign need help. And so if I'm going to let one, my best friend's, what did I say? My best friend's neighbors, or whoever it was that told me this, if I'm going to let that keep me from, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have the motive to not give, you better be very led by the Spirit to not give. Because when you read this, Jesus is pretty clear. There's one word he says over and over and over through this. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy. Verse 3, so, but when you give to the needy. Verse 5, when you pray. Verse 6, when you pray. Verse 7, when you pray. Verse 9, this is how you should pray. 16, when you fast. Verse 17, when you fast. The word if is never in these scriptures. It never says if you give, if you pray, if you fast. It's always when you do it. If you can find any scripture in here that gives us a reason not to give to the poor and needy, point it out to me. I've not seen it. I'd like to see it. I don't think it's in there. I think it's pretty clear. When we give, sometimes we develop this motive of we don't have to. One time I was, uh, a friend asked me to go to lunch with him, and I said, well, you know, I can't. And he said, you know, well, why can't you? And he just wouldn't let it go for whatever reason. And he said, what, are you fasting or something? I said, actually, yeah, I am. So, you know, I, I can't do lunch today. And this is He's got a church that he goes to, and he said, well, you know, you don't have to fast. And he gave me this little lecture on how I don't have to fast. And what I, what I think maybe was happening was maybe he felt a little conviction of, you know, because he doesn't, he doesn't see any reason to, right? And so my point was, well, you're right. You don't have to fast. You don't have 
to pray. You don't have to read Scripture. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do any of those things. But if you don't fast, if you don't pray, if you don't read Scripture, if you don't go to church, your life with God probably is not where it should be. Right? If we don't do any of those things that connect us with God in a very spiritual, powerful, life-changing way, then maybe our life's not really being changed and our actual devotion to God and reverence for God is probably not quite where it needs to be, which means our motive in which we do anything for God is not the right motive. I think this is what Jesus is teaching, right? It's not when you pray, don't pray in front of people, because sometimes we, have, we had a prayer this morning. I prayed right in front of all of you, right? Sometimes we have groups, small groups that meet, and we'll say, okay, who wants to open in prayer? And then we all sit there nice and quiet because nobody wants to be the one that prays, right? And there's that uncomfortable silence until somebody's willing to pray. But sometimes we want to try to use this as an excuse of, well, we're not supposed to pray in front of people, Jesus said. No, Jesus is saying, don't make a show of it. Have the right heart when you do it, that it's for the devotion you have for God with reverence to God and that you want God to be present in this, present in this moment because we want God's kingdom to come here and now. Because God's kingdom is now. It's not someday in some galaxy far, far away. It's here. It's here, right now. This is a piece of God's kingdom, right now. And Jesus calls us to have this heart that we want to be a part of that. And he says that if we're going to be, the motive in which we bring these acts of righteousness matter. The motive that we have in doing anything for God, it matters. And he says, and when you do it with the right heart, he says, and you will be rewarded by your heavenly Father. Which brings me to the last motive, false motive I'm going to talk about. There's others. There's so many false motives we have. But the last one I'm going to talk about is this motive of reward. Somewhere along the way, we started reading these scriptures and saying, oh, God rewards us. God repays us for what we do. That there's some kind of, whatever I do for God, God's going to bless me in return. I got this great and mighty favor through my faith. And, and when I just do this, boy, God's going to bless me big. We start to read in this idea of some kind of prosperity that's going to come to us. If I just give $10, boy, God's going to bless me with more. If I give 10, God might give me 100. If I give 100, God might give me $1,000. So if I just give, boy, God's going to give me more. See, in this upside-down world with our upside-down motives, we start having these upside-down ideas of what real, true, godly reward looks like. We start thinking, if, if I just give, God's going to give me in return more. But hold up a second. Does that sound right? If I give because I'm devoted to God and I want something spiritual and amazing to happen in this moment, if I want God's kingdom, this heavenly kingdom to come here on earth, God's going to repay me with earthly treasure? Does that sound right to anybody? doesn't me. I think God cares for us. I think God takes care for us. He's our great provider. I believe that fully. But just because I give 10 bucks, I don't believe it's some kind of great investment scheme where God's going to reward me with 100 in return. Maybe he will. I'm not saying he doesn't or can't. I'm just saying I don't think that's how godly, true godly rewards work. Go back to the illustration that I had earlier of the kids. One of them hurt, you know, hurt the other earlier. So this time they're down the hallway. They're in a whole other room. 
and they're playing. You can hear them. They don't know you're listening in, right? And they're playing. All of a sudden, one says, ow, and starts crying. And the other one says, I'm sorry. And the first one says, that's okay. You didn't mean to. Which is kid talk for I forgive you, right? That's how they say that. That's okay. You didn't mean to. That's how they say I forgive you. They don't even know you're listening in. They're not doing it because mama said so. They're not doing it because, oh, it's, I've got to check this off my list. I did something wrong. Now I have to say I'm sorry. No, it's genuine. You can hear it from down the hallway. And I would hope that in that moment you would go and you would say, I heard what just happened, and I am so proud of you for what you just did. You realized that you did something, whether you meant to or not, and you genuinely apologized. And then you actually said, I forgive you. You give this, I'm so proud of you, affirmation to your kids, you did good, and I'm so proud of you. That's the reward. And really, that's the reward kids want. Now, they'll tell you they'd rather have ice cream. But honestly, to hear those words from a parent, I'm so proud of you, isn't that what we long to hear from our Heavenly Father? Isn't that the reward, really? Ultimately, what we want to hear is, I'm so proud of you. Or to put it in scriptural terminology, well done. Isn't that ultimately the reward that we want? I mean, to seek doing good for God so I can have more earthly stuff seems like we're completely devaluing what it is we try to do for God. So much of what we do sometimes, sometimes what we do, we've got wrong motives in which we do it. And as we kind of continue on and on, whether we're going through the motions and just got a checkoff list, whether we're starting to get kind of upset, well, I have to do this or I have to do that, whatever our motive is, if we're not doing it for the full purpose of our devotion to God, seeking his kingdom to come here, Jesus says then we've got really kind of the wrong motive as God's people. The whole point of it all is when you give, when you pray, when you fast, when you serve, when you do these things that we say in the name of God, for God, for God's glory, when we do all of this, it's the, for the whole purpose of his kingdom coming into this world so that all the world will know who God is, not through us, through Jesus working through us. Our motives matter. Jesus teaches us this so that we will go and we will be his people for the devotion of God and God's glory, bringing his kingdom into this world. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to please come forward. So this is a time where we make, this, uh, we make this offering to God, where we, out of our devotion, out of our reverence for God, where we come and we say, God, I want to give back to you. I'm going to tell you, if there's any part of you that says, I'm doing this because I feel obligated, oh, Jesus wants me to give, or there's people sitting by me, they're watching what I'm doing, I don't want you to give out of that. I want you to give because you feel this is what God is guiding me to do what the Spirit of God is saying I need to do in response to what God is doing for me.
holy God, you are the giver of all things, the blesser that we seek to, to work for, that we devote our lives to. And in reverence, Lord, we, we come to you and we thank you so much for what you have blessed us with. And out of all that you have blessed us with, we give back to you. We give to you ourselves, our resources, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, all that we are, Lord, we give back to you saying, use them in a mighty way that your kingdom may come here into this community and all the world. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Now let's all join our voices together and I am thine, O Lord. now in full devotion to God and complete reverence for God, who God is and all He has done for us, let us go forward that His kingdom may come to this earth around us. In Christ's holy name, amen.